God made man, but he used the monkey to do it. Apes in the plan, we're all here to prove it. I can walk like an ape, I can talk like an ape, I can do what monkeys do. Well, God made man, but a monkey supplied the Hey, what's up, monkeys? Today is Sunday. It's the uh, 27th of March, 2011. You're listening to the Arm Date Podcast. I'm your host, Old Uncle Silverback. On today's show, we're going to do a little bit of a follow-up uh, to last week's show, where we talked. Uh, I talked a little bit about some of the smaller handguns that you could carry, either as a uh, where you needed to really be able to conceal something, uh, and where sizes maybe going to be an issue. And I'd ask for some feedback. I talked a little bit about the Ruger, uh, both the, their revolver and the um, the LCP, which is their little pistol. Um, and I also we got some feedback also on on that. But we also got some feedback on uh, I'd mentioned on this about the Sig, which is the rifle that is a uh, it's chambered in seven uh, 7.62 by 39, which is the uh, AK round, or which a lot of people would uh, consider to be the AK round. And we got some feedback from Eric on that, so uh, we'll play that stuff here in a little bit. Uh, I also have a uh, kind of a, a snafu from eBay a little bit, and uh, so my my loss may be your gain. And it's on a pair of boots that I ordered, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, so if you would like to contact me and... Uh, Either you've got a review, or you've got questions, or you've got a suggestion about something. Uh, and again, uh, we, we don't get too much in the show about, oh, you know, somebody calling in and saying, hey, I have a question, or I'm looking to get A, B, and C. Uh, but if you do, you know, feel free to do that. It doesn't always have to be a review on something, but if you're looking to buy something, um, you know, go ahead and feel free to send that in. Now, the way that you can do that, you can do that a, a few different ways. If you wanted to do a review or just have your voice played, probably the easiest way to do it would be to call up the voicemail, which is uh, area code 206-339-3266. Again, area code 206-339-3266. And uh, I can play that for you right on the show. Um... Or you can, if you wanted to record an MP3 or a WAV file or something like that and send it to me, uh, you can usually just email that to me. If your review is a little big and it's too big for your email client to uh, to uh, send it to me, you can do use a service called transferbigfiles.com, uh, which is a thing where you... Uh, you basically upload your file to their server with my email address, which is thearmedape at gmail.com. And then they send me an e email saying, hey, you've got a file over here and you got seven days to, to uh, pick it up. And you can do this to anybody. Uh, and, of course, it's free. It's not just something that's, you know, for this show. Um, let's see. What else was I going to say? Oh, uh, as always, if you could go over to the website and, and the ads that are down on there at thearmedape.com the or even at my other podcast, firearmscafe.com, just scroll down a little bit. There's ads on there. Um, just click on them, check them out, see if it's something you're interested in. Uh, like I said, it does help to uh, 
to help def- defray some of the costs of, of the show, so some of the bandwidth and hosting and all that kind of jazz. So, all right, uh, let's go ahead and I've, I um, I'm going to go ahead and drop in the uh, some of the feedback we got from Eric here first. Hey, Tony, Eric here for the Firearms Cafe. Oh, no, for the Armed Ape podcast, in which you were asking about excess sites for the LCR, LCP, and then an opinion on the SIG 556R. Excess sites are available for the LCR, that's the revolver, and uh, I think it's probably a good option in that case. Um, If you don't want to pony up the... uh, costly amount of money for the Crimson Trace laser grips that are a factory option, then uh, I think those are a very good choice for speed and close enough is good enough on a revolver if we're talking about a backup gun. However, the LCP, uh, the 380 pistol, has a couple of little design challenges facing it. Uh, excess sights aren't available because there's really nothing you can do for that front sight. There's almost no material to it. It's very, very low, very shallow. Uh, there's nothing to pin on there. And quite frankly, I think you would wind up spending more in gunsmithing uh, artisanship than would be worth doing. Uh, now, I do like the LCP a lot. It's a well-constructed pistol. I actually like it better than the LC9. Uh, but based mostly on proportions and, and my, perce- my perception of build quality, I think is the, the best way to phrase that, the LCP, if that's what you were looking for, I really, I would not own one without the Crimson Trace grip on there. And full disclosure, yes, Crimson Trace did recently fly me up to Portland and, and pay for my beer and ammo uh, for a three-gun match. But my uh, opinion on that still stands. And and not influenced, it wasn't bought. Uh, the sights are so abysmal on the LCP that uh, I really do think the laser is a necessary addition, period. Now, the SIG 556 is, uh, or the 556R, that's a little bit trickier. I've I've been looking into it, and uh, I can't recommend one way or the other on that. But since I'm driving a stick shift, I will have to call back with part two and explain my thoughts on that in a little bit. Okay, uh, thanks for that, Eric. Now, before we we go on kind of with the part two, I also got um, some feedback uh, from Alex. And uh, he has, uh, I think he actually owns the LCP, and he sent in an email. And what I wanted to do is go ahead and uh, read uh, read what he sent in, and, uh, and that way we can hear his feedback before we kind of go on to another gun. I didn't want to do that and then kind of jump back and forth. Uh, so again, uh, this is from Alex in Austin. And uh, Alex writes, uh, Tony, really enjoy the Armed Ape and Firearms Cafe podcast. Thanks. I've been carrying the Ruger LCP, so this is the, the little pistol, for a couple of years now, and overall have enjoyed the little pistol. You're really making a series of trade-offs with this gun. You trade weight, size, and low cost with uh, a shitty and long trigger pull plus difficulty in handling with large hands. After I first purchased it, I put through about 50 rounds of full metal jacket 
and a box of hollow points. From the beginning, the gun had some issues feeding ammo with square nose bullets, especially self-defense rounds. I sent the little gun back to Ruger to have them work on it, and since then I'd have no feeding issues, or excuse me, I've had no issues feeding square nosed full metal jackets, but I've also converted to round nose bullets for self-defense rounds. I think I remember you saying that you have large hands. The trigger sucks for people with long hands. I've read several forum posts from people who've asked gunsmiths to work on the LCP trigger, but the consensus was that they couldn't or wouldn't, and really, why would you? Uh, due to the long, hard trigger pull, I feel comfortable carrying the gun in my pocket without a pocket holster. Uh, I carry mine in a crossbreed micro clip, and it's okay if you're wearing pants with a nice tight belt. Uh, parenthesis, you don't need a gun belt for this little gun, into parentheses. Uh, but if you're wearing it with anything with uh, just an elastic band, like shorts, you can forget about the clip staying in place. It will rotate and fall down your pants. I would recommend uh, skipping the micro tuck and go instead with the mini tuck or a custom holster made by Jason. And uh, he's the holster maker the gun dudes have on their podcast. Uh, he has a pretty cool looking little holster for the LCP. It even has a little Kydex magazine pouch on it. The gun isn't necessarily easy to shoot since it's so small and light, but again, it's not a primary carry gun. It does what you need it to do at short distances. I can generally keep my shots on a man-sized target with no problem at 15 yards. The sights are non-existent. I purchased some glow-in-the-dark dots to epoxy to the sights. They're not night sights, but they do glow for a long time with the little light exposure and are better than nothing. Magazines are $25 to $30 each. Uh, buy the ones with the little finger extension on the end or buy the little piece after and install it on the mags. I use uh, RBCD ammunition in my carry guns. It's fragmenting ammunition and the total round weight is much lighter than a conventional self-defense round and the construction of the round mitigates the risk of the shot going through a wall, door, etc. Uh, independent of use for the LCP, check them out. They offer uh, ammunition for nearly every caliber. Uh, and what I'll do too is I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, um, to uh, RBCD ammunition. Uh, then uh, Alex goes on to write, based on what you mentioned in the podcast, you may want to consider the Smith & Wesson Bodyguard 380. It comes with a laser and adjustable night sights. It really has everything you want. And I saw it a couple months ago on sale at Cabela's for... Uh, around $349. Uh, then he, uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. I was unable to get one during this time, but I will scoop one up in a second if I have the chance again. Uh, then kind of did like a PS. Looks like I was mistaken. It does not have the night sights, but the sights are adjustable. It's on sale now at Cabela's, at Cabela's, excuse me, for $369. So, uh, a couple of things we'll, we'll talk about maybe for some of you guys that don't know. Um, when he was talking about frangible ammunition. Yeah. What time is it? Is it dog? Almost. Wait, how much minutes? Oh, probably about 15 more minutes. Okay. Okay. This is from your... Okay. Love you. So, uh, let's see. Frangible ammunition. 
Uh, what that basically is for the you guys that don't know is it's a uh, it's it's uh, the actual bullet. So the projectile is designed when it hits something hard uh, to break apart. Uh, so it kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, think of it like a uh, like if you sh if you threw a glass and it shatters. And so uh, the the reason behind it would to have it would be that inside the home. If if you had to if you had to fire off some rounds inside the home, it wouldn't penetrate the walls. Now, some people would say, "Well, is it going to shatter when it hits a bad guy or something like that?" And it won't on soft tissue and things like that. It'll it'll penetrate, uh, but on a, if it hits a hard surface, so like drywall things like that, it's going to expend most of its energy when it when it breaks apart, so that the the risk of the round traveling through the walls and maybe hitting somebody in another room who you wouldn't want to be hit by that round uh, is greatly reduced. You know, I've never shot any frangible ammo, so I, I need to buy some and kind of do some tests and see what I think about it. Uh, I'm not worried about it. If it hit, if it hit a, a person who was trying to hurt you or hurt a member of your family, you know, I, I think it would, uh, it would be fine. Uh, but anyway... One of the other, you know, I, I go back and forth on, on these real small type of guns uh, just because even with the, uh, the Glock 26, which is a smaller Glock, if you don't have an extension on the magazine, uh, even my, I guess it would be my third finger down, uh, so not my pinky finger, but the one up from that, it almost sometimes wants to, to slide off under a little bit here. It's, it's about halfway on. Uh, with the extension on there, it's fine. Um, but I can see if you... And I have probably large hands, but not extra large hands. Uh, so if... I, I'm not sure with that uh, LCP. Uh, like I said, I go back and forth and back and forth on this thing. And my primary reason for wanting to get something little like that is, of course, is because it's little. Uh, but... Uh, and the triggers, you know, I, I, I know um, you can pretty much get used to just about any trigger. Uh, I, and I can't remember if I talked about it or not, but I was dry firing that little Ruger LCR. And I'm so used to uh, the reset on the semi-autos uh, and that I, I'm almost short-stroking that trigger, meaning I'm not letting the trigger come all the way forward uh, to be able to rotate the cylinder and fire off another round. But again, that's going to be a training issue, and uh, as long as the gun feeds okay, in the in the in the case of a semi-auto, I think you know everything else you can learn, you can train yourself around it, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but you know, I, I am partial to the revolver just because of of the uh, reliability of it. It's not going to be sen ammo sensitive. Um, you know that's that's you know some of the really good things about the revolver, uh, and probably the best thing in my opinion about a revolver is that it's not ammunition sensitive. As long as the ammunition is halfway decent, it's going to fire it out of there. Um, so, uh, I, and that you know he talked about that Smith and Wesson, and they've got the bodyguard. I think in the 380, and also I think it's in 38. I don't think they have anything in 357. Now they do have tons of stuff in 357. Uh, and speaking of that, we had gotten the stuff from Dale last time, so I'm going to go ahead 
and uh, while we're on the the smaller revolver things I'm gonna go ahead and drop in Dale stuff right here Hey, Tony, this is Dale from Texas. I'm going to try this again. I just got cut off. I uh, got a couple of notes for you on. You were talking about getting a 357 uh, snubby short barreled revolver, and I called in about my uh, titanium, my Taurus titanium, 617 357, uh, seven shot, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyway, I'm on a little bit of a road trip here, and I downloaded a bunch of older podcasts to listen to. And so. I, I don't know. And this, by the way, this is just a couple of notes for you. If you want to play them, that's fine. But um, in case you want to know, I have a mind like a steel trap. When I hear something or see something, if I don't immediately write it down or record a little note, my mind will lock it out like a steel trap, and I'll never remember it again. So I just thought I'd send you a quick couple of notes here. Um, and, again, you can play it if you want. It doesn't matter to me. But I just listened to a old Pro Arms podcast. I'm not sure whether you listened to it or not. And I do not remember the uh, episode number. I want to say maybe 13, something like that. But it is, go back to December of 2008, and you'll see one titled The Snubby Revolver. And so they have a, it's kind of like one of their roundtable discussions where they've got everybody there talking about short, snub-nosed revolvers. They're primarily talking about uh, backup guns like you're interested in. They're, most of those guys are shooting 38s. They talk about the sights. They talk about the grips, about do you need to add a sight, et cetera, et cetera. They do talk about a bunch of the uh, Smith & Wesson model numbers. And just like you had mentioned, they had talked about you almost need the Smith & Wesson decoder ring to get all the different model numbers straight and everything like that. Um, one thing I will mention on mine is on the Taurus that I have, it has what they call river grips. And that does make a world of difference. I have shot a Taurus, I want to say like a Model 85 or something like that, in 38. That does, and it is not, it has got like a softer rubber grip, but it is not their river grip. And that, it, I mean, that makes a world of difference. And I think uh, Gail mentioned she has an SP-101 uh, in 9mm that she could not stand. She was about ready to get rid of it until she changed uh to a different grip and made all the world in the difference. So, you know, simple things like that. Mine does have the front ramp sight and a rear uh, or a uh, notch, a trough that runs from the front of the gun all the way to the back. Some of them only have the uh, front, the front ramp. So anyway, I just want to give you a couple thoughts uh, while I was thinking about it before my mind locked them out, and I'll talk to you later. Hey, thanks, Dale, for that. You know, grips, when you, when you talk about... Um Having a good set of grips on there, it really can make a difference. It can make a difference in, in what is called either felt or perceived recoil, meaning you know how much it kind of stings the hand a little bit. And a lot of people like those hogue grips. Um, and so I and I think you can change out uh, both on the on the LCR. I think you can change out and get like a good hogue. I think it's called grip tamer uh, for that. But if you use that, you can't really use the the uh, the um, the crimson laser. Um, so you know, I don't know. Like you know, with, with a lot of these guns, like a lot of you guys have, have said, and uh, and I know it too. But you know, it, there's a lot of compromises you're gonna make. Um, and, and ultimately, I guess I'm gonna have to decide. And some of you guys out there who are maybe going through some of the same stuff, ultimately, we have to decide is. 
is what am I what am I willing to trade off for the smaller lighter size so if I want something that I can just drop in a, in a shirt pocket or drop in my pants pocket and it doesn't really print or anything like that and I can you know have pretty easy access to it and I'm not really gonna feel it because uh, it only really weighs maybe a little over a pound um, you know you have to balance that out with you know how well can I shoot it um, how many rounds do I have uh, although yeah, I'm kinda coming to the uh, to maybe to the realization that for for the most part a, a real high round count eh, it probably isn't going to be as important as everybody thinks it is. Um, the way that I had it explained to me, it, it's, it's not so much that you have... The reason that you want to have as many rounds in the gun as possible or with you, uh, so in a semi-auto as many as you can get, or in a, a revolver as many rounds in that gun as you can get before you would have to reload, is that what it does is it it greatly reduces the possibility that you're going to have to manipulate the gun other than shooting it uh, so that you can concentrate on just defending yourself and not necessarily having to uh, you know reload the gun or work the slide or do this or do that or insert a new mag you know blah 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 so uh, and, and you know because and it's not so much to have you know oh i can carry you know 17 rounds or i can carry 20 rounds or i can you know do however much i want to do type of thing um, so I, you know, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, I've, I've been to a couple of gun shops where you can rent, but they don't have a little LCR for rent. Uh, and I don't really know anybody around here locally that has one. If I did, I'd like to go shoot them. I went out uh, to the range one time, um, uh, with a guy that I met kind of through the show, a guy named Mike, and I think he had a little... A little car, nine mil. I think it was a car. Um, hopefully, I'm, I'm remembering it correctly. And I think he had a little nine millimeter, and that was a neat little gun. Uh, it was a little snappy, but it was nothing that you couldn't get used to. Uh, and that may be something that I, I you know, want to look at too. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if I if I'm coming down on a thing where it's just pretty much size, and and making sure that I've got something with me. Uh, I might want to go with that little uh, LCR. I may look at that little bodyguard, the Smith & Wesson bodyguard, kind of see which one I, uh, I would actually like the, the most. Um, and if I don't mind going just a little bit bigger, I would probably go with a little revolver, either uh, Smith & Wesson or maybe that little Ruger. Uh, you know, one thing you can say about Rugers, of course, and uh, is they're just tanks. They're, they're usually way overbuilt. The one thing, though, about a small little gun uh, like the LCP, which is a little semi-auto pistol, um, you know, is it going to be is it going to be prone to maybe a, a mis a misfeed, a failure to eject, or uh, if I'm not hanging on to it, or if my hands are a little, you know, too ham hockey, so to speak. Am I going to run into problems? And I know a lot of this stuff is just supposition. I'm going to have to get out there and actually shoot them. But the problem is I can't really, uh, I haven't found, like I said, any place where I can go and rent and shoot that little LCP. I'm sure there's one out there. I just need to kind of find it. Anyway, I'm kind of starting to babble and ramble on. I did want to uh, 
let me, I just got an email from Ken, uh, who's a friend of the show and uh, has sent in a bunch of stuff. And he's actually launched his, uh, his podcast, I think I had mentioned it, uh, maybe last week. I can't remember if I mentioned it on this show or if it was on Firearms Cafe. But anyway, um, it, his show is called The Exoskeleton Audio Magazine. And you can probably just Google that. I'll put a link to it in the show. Uh, if you wanted to do the like the www, um, the exoskeleton, one word, dot kumoranch.com. And Kumo Ranch is one word also. Uh, K-U-M-O-R-A-N-C-H dot com. So go over there, check that out. Uh, like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes. Now, uh, Ken had also sent me another email where we were talking about the uh, the SIG uh, 556R. And uh, Eric has, has got some stuff on that as well. Um, and we'll, we'll play that here in a second. Uh, but in there, he had also mentioned... Uh, that he knew that I had that 357, and he thought, well, would you ever consider getting a, a lever-action rifle in that same caliber? Because you can get a uh, uh, the, the, the um, like a Marlin, uh, you can get a lever-action, and you can have it in 357 Magnum. Of course, you could shoot 38s through it. Uh, you could also get a 44 Magnum, uh, which you could also shoot uh, 44 Specials through it. Um, and I have thought about that. I a lot of times when when you go uh, when you take a pistol caliber and you put it into uh, a, a rifle or a carbine type platform, uh, a lot of times you don't you don't gain as much uh, as you think you would. However, it, it is a little different when you look at things like the 357 and things like the 44 Magnum. Uh, you can load those up pretty hot in that rifle, and you can get uh, a really good uh, velocity and a lot of energy to dump to dump out of that round. Uh, and so it becomes a very good hunting round. Uh, like I said, especially if you're loading it up a little hot. Um, and uh, one of these days I will get one. Uh, I, a lot of times I go and look at the pawn shops or look at some of the uh, the gun stores and stuff like that, but uh, uh, they're a little too pricey. I want to get a decent deal on one, and I know if I just kind of hold my breath long enough, eventually one will come up for me. So um, let me, you know, I'm going to look up real quick, um, get one of my reloading books, and give you guys just a, a little bit of info on uh, what kind of feet per second you can get. Okay, so loading that thing up hot, so if, if you're, and again, this would be shooting it out of a rifle, you can get about 2,000 feet per second, and that's going to be probably about the maximum, um, and those are going again with maximum loads on there. Uh, so you can get that thing out there singing pretty quick. You're getting about another almost 600 feet per second faster, and, and these are kind of all uh, kind of guesstimates and stuff, but then this is going off of the uh, Hornady. Uh, 7th edition reloading book uh, and it's kind of the same with uh, with a 44 magnum if you had it but you know another thing and that's kind of uh, you know with, with if you've got several different type of handguns and things like that if you've got something like a 357 revolver 
uh, and it makes sense, you know, if you wanted to uh, be able to kind of share ammo through some different firearms. Uh, so that would be nice and a good nice reason to have a, a nice lever action. And, uh, you know, you don't have to get the small carbines. You can get some of those lever actions, some of the old Marlins uh, and some of the uh, Henry rifles you can get with longer barrels. Um, and you may even be able to squeeze a little bit more per second out of there. Probably probably not too much. Um, but it, just, it becomes a very effective hunting round. Uh, it's still going to be within probably about 100 yards and probably not really super big game with the 357. You could probably get uh, black bear with it. You could get a lot of deer with it. Uh, again, it's not going to be a super long range rifle. It's going to be something probably within a, still within about 100 yards. Uh, as a home defense weapon or as something uh, to use to defend yourself if you were out on the trail or out out camping something like that man that would be an excellent excellent choice uh, you usually they'll hold eight to ten rounds uh, somewhere depending on who's you know whether you got like a savage or a, a marlin or uh, something like that uh, more like a Henry um, in fact I'd really like to have one of those Henry's those are just like a really good-looking gun uh, but they are pricey. They are, and you hardly ever see any any one of those like in a pawn shop or anything like that. You do, you will see some of the Marlins just because they've made so many of them. Uh, but anyway, uh, that may be another thing that would maybe lead me going back toward getting that revolver for a small backup gun and getting the 357 because then I've got uh, I've got a big revolver, I've got a small revolver, and later if I ever do purchase a uh, lever action. You know, I've got three guns. I could have, you know, one big case of ammo that could service all three guns. All right, let's, you know what, let's go ahead and drop in Eric's uh, part two of his review. And uh, we'll come back and I'll do a little jibber-jabber about that as well. So, the SIG 556R, or, uh... Yeah, is that what they're calling it? Um, it's a really interesting gun. The more I look at it, the more I think we kind of got to put this in context with a couple other guns, and then you need to decide what level of performance it is you want. The The reason to get it is because 762 by 39 is cheap, and AK magazines are plentiful. If, uh, if the AK were totally redesigned, if it were totally rebuilt to be user-friendly, I kind of think this is what they would have done with it. Um, we are all familiar with the AK. Uh, it's a good design. Parts are everywhere. Lots of guys familiar with it. Um, I still believe that it's an ergonomic nightmare and that the VZ-58 is an improvement in pretty much every way. The only thing the VZ-58 has in common with the AK is the magazines and the, the ammunition. The thing is, the VZ-58 costs a premium, and it, too, is, is now, to the best of my knowledge, out of production. You're going to have to kind of hunt around. It's harder to find support, support for it, whereas now we get to this, this SIG 556R. And again, like the VZ-58, the only thing it has in common is the magazines and the ammunition, but you've got a decent trigger. Uh, you've got much, much better ergonomics. It holds open. Uh, it's basically like they said, hey, let's make the gun like it should have been made. 
which is a little bit unfair, you know, and if you're an AK fan, don't take that wrong. Uh, it's more that we've advanced the state of firearms manufacturing now where they're able to do it nicely. The cons here, um, lots of guys who are really into the firearms world say that SIG has taken a remarkable step down in quality since 2005 and that this is a SIG USA product rather than a Swiss product. A lot of the guys who are really hardcore SIG will only buy the German-made SIGs. So there may be some QC issues, but then again, most of us are going to be shooting from the civilian point of view, and I don't think it's really going to matter. Uh, the huge, huge benefit is you've got an optics rail and, and a real decent uh, optics mounting solution that the AKs and the VZ-58s never realistically uh, offered. Any of those solutions are, are wobbly, cheap crap. Um, they might do for a fixed optic. They do not work for red dots or for uh, removing and putting the optic back on and maintaining zero. So we finally got that. Uh, I like it. It's, I'm, I'm interested in it. The only thing I would say is that there's also the option now of the 300 blackout round for an AR. And this is one where you have to measure cost. The reason to do 762 by 39 is because it's inexpensive. But this 300 blackout round is designed to run in an AR. Literally, the only thing you have to change is the barrel. You get to use the same bolt because the parent case is the 223 Remington. And because the parent case is the 223 Remington, you also get to use the same uh, magazines and maintain the same capacity. Why is this significant? Well, if you're a reloader, you know that you basically just throw away 762 by 39 when you're done. Most of, most of what we buy is steel cased. Uh, it's either, it's the primer that we can't reuse. Is that Berdan primed or Boxer primed? I think it's Berdan. Uh, I'm not a reloader. I don't know. But this 300 blackout round is reloadable. And more than that, we always say, oh, it's 762 by 39. It's a 30 caliber bullet. Well, yeah. You know, 762 by 51, 308, 30 caliber bullet. Well, yeah. But if you're a reloader, you know that they're not really the same thing. Uh, the 300 blackout is an honest-to-God reloadable 30 caliber bullet, just like you would throw into a 308, 300 windbag. Um, that gives you a lot more bullet flexibility. This was designed to, uh, to mimic the uh, ballistic prowess in the AR of the AK, but now we've given you the ability to actually have good bullets, which the AK doesn't have. Lots of people overestimate, I think, the AK's uh, wounding ability, when really the wound channel is similar to 9mm NATO. Um, so, honestly, that would be another way to look at it. If you're a reloader, I think the 300 blackout is the better option. Uh, you got to find the course that, that's best for you. I don't think any of the four choices are bad. The AK, the VZ-58, the 5.56R, or the 300 Blackout. They're also radically different. You need to find which one suits you the best. I hope I've given you enough information to make up your own mind. I'm going to quit babbling and let you get back to the show now. Okay, Eric, thanks for that. Now, unfortunately, Eric had to call back, and you're going to hear this little sound, which is... And that was the sound of the other shoe dropping. Uh, Eric called back and he found out a little bit more information. So let's go ahead and give that a listen. Tony, this is Eric calling in with a little bit more info on that SIG 556R. 
Uh, I think what you did was you mentioned the excess sites, the LCR and the LCP, on the Armed 8th podcast, and then you talked about the 556R on the Firearms Cafe. So however you split this up is fine with me. But for right now, I think i got to wave you off from that 556R. Uh, did a lot of research, and I found some things that are pretty disconcerting. For one, the most populous uh, ammo there is in 7.62x39 is steel-cased, you know, whether it's uh, wolf or bear or whatever. But uh, if you use steel-cased ammo in the SIG 556R, they will void your warranty. They claim that it's not designed to feed it. Um, that alone is reason to scrap it. A previous message I left for you, I mentioned that uh, SIG has had a precipitous drop in uh, customer quality since about 2005. Well, I found out that the SIG 556 is basically SIG USA's copy, uh, but much, much less costly than the proven design of the 550 and 551. For those, I guess those have been in production for dang near 30 years, you're kind of the Swiss equivalent of the AR-15. There's a known technical data package that SIG has uh, strayed from in an effort to save costs. And if you look, you'll find that Ron Cohen came on board SIG the end of 2004, uh, right about the time they started getting this reputation for poor quality, just a few months afterwards, actually. Well, Cohen came from Kimber, and if you really pay attention, Kimber's a company with a great marketing campaign, but also a, a somewhat shoddy reputation when it comes to uh, actual uh, reliability. Now, granted, both of these perspectives are looking at it strictly from the duty weapon point of view. However, if you are looking for something like this to potentially serve as a life-saving implement, I think you really, really uh, look in the wrong direction. They're, they're fine as range toys. They're fine to look at and admire. They might even be attractive, you know, if you just want to be like, ooh, look. But uh, for an actual serious use gun, i got to say no to the 5.56R, especially if they're going to void your warranty. You know, I thought it would be nice to have a company that was still in production, uh, being able to service and do parts and all that, like uh, like I said, you couldn't do with the VZ-58. But if they're going to void your warranty, then what's the point of it, you know? So right now, i got to say get an AK or get a VZ-58. Otherwise, you might just want to abandon that caliber altogether and look at other options. So that's me weighing in on the 5.56R. Again, it, it kills me to do that, but uh, SIG has done 180 degrees from the quality control of your I got to say no to that one. So anyway, y'all take care. Now, when I got this information uh, from Eric about SIG possibly voiding your warranty on this thing, if you're uh, if you're using steel cased ammo and not brass ammo in there, it he pretty much said everything in the in his second call. But it, again, it boggles the mind uh, if this is if this is a hundred percent true. Why in the world would they do that? Again, the whole purpose of you buying this gun is is number one, you're going to be able to shoot cheaply because you're going to be able to use the steel stuff. And you're going to be able to use your old AK mag. So if you're already kind of an AK guy, maybe you could get some of this, and you'll have a little bit of update with some ergonomics, and and uh, eventually, you know, maybe some a little bit better accessories and things like that that you could use. 
Uh, so you have a little bit more AR-friendly version of an AK. Uh, and it's still going to be the gas piston system and all that other stuff. And, and if you say, well, you know, I'd still want to do that, and I'll just go ahead and I'll buy, I'll buy the brass ammo. Because I, I know Winchester makes uh, 7.62 and 39, and I think it's actually, it's boxer primed, which is what you want uh, if, if you're into reloading. Um, the the stuff from uh, overseas, the Russian stuff, which is like wolf, uh, golden tiger, brown bear, silver bear, all that type of stuff, um, is all burden primed, which means that there's a inside the uh, the primer pocket. There's like a little anvil that's in there, and so you have to kind of drill that out. Anyway, it's and you're using steel case ammo, so it's just it's it's almost impossible to reload it. Not impossible because there are people that do, but it's it would take you so long to load and, and prep one round that it's it's really not it becomes a thing where it's not worth your time uh, I can't imagine uh, why SIG would do something like this again I went on when Eric uh, sent me this stuff I went on and tried to find do a little bit of research and find some stuff the only thing that I could find I couldn't find anything from SIG I was able to find some stuff that were basically on SIG forum and some other other places on the on the web where it was guys that said that they owned one and said hey I talked to you know customer service over at SIG and and this person told me if you shoot the steel case stuff it can void your warranty uh, other people said that they talked to them and they they didn't they didn't get that same thing but the majority of people it seemed that had bought one were all saying that same stuff that it would void the warranty so uh, and I, I, I had uh, also got a message from Ken. He had sent one that he was kind of looking at that thing as well. But it may be that um, you know somebody else will maybe kind of see some of the uh, the interest around that, and they'll they'll actually build one that could function around the steel case stuff. Uh, again, I can't imagine what they would be thinking in building a gun where you could not use the steel stuff because they have to know that the majority of shooters probably 90 percent of the people that are going to shoot uh, the 762 by 39 are going to be using the steel case stuff just because it's so cheap you can get uh, if you look around you can get a thousand rounds especially if you get it at a gun show you can get a thousand rounds of 762 by 39 of wolf for probably like 200 bucks, maybe a little bit cheaper, uh, if, if they're if they're running a deal and wanting to move a bunch of stuff out. So, uh, and just for comparison, if you look at the cost of um, of like that Winchester stuff. So if we're looking at let's say the Win the Winchester stuff, and I, what I did is I, I went on to ammo, uh, excuse me, ammoengine.com, and that can give you a lot of different prices. You can sort of see if you look at the stuff. Uh, like the Golden Tiger, uh, Silver Bear, the Wolf, things like that. You're gonna you're gonna uh, get it probably 20 cents to 24 cents around. Um, and if you look, if you go up and look at the Winchester stuff, you're you jump up to basically 70 to 80 cents around. Uh, so it's just at at that point, it's almost like why. Why bother to shoot it? Now, in theory, maybe you could reload it, but if you reloaded it, uh, you're gonna, you know, you got to buy the dies, and of course, once you do that, that's fine. But 
Um, I don't know. It's still almost cheaper just to shoot the uh, the steel case stuff. And uh, I, in my AK that I have, I haven't had a problem. I shoot Wolf all the time. I've never had it uh, fail to eject, fail to fire, fail to feed anything. Um, and I've shot hundreds and hundreds of rounds through the thing. So, um, and then you know, if you look at some of the Oh, some of the kind of the specialty ammo that's made, that's, that's sort of the brass stuff again. You know, you can look at, for a box of 20, um, you know, you're, you're looking at, oh, let's see here. On the specialty junk from uh, the Super X soft pointed, you're looking at basically a $1.18 around, so $23, $24 per box. Um... Remington makes some. Uh, again, you're you're up to like a dollar sixty-two. Uh, Double Tap makes some. Um, you're up to thirty-six dollars a box for a box of twenty. Um, it's just and, and you know I think if if you were here's the thing though I think if you were shooting some of that stuff, uh, you know you're looking at that Double Tap you're up to a dollar eighty-five. You can look at some Corbon stuff. Uh, which they're they're saying is basically their uh, self defense thing, and that's like two fourteen a box. I mean a box, two dollars and fourteen cents a round. Um, again, though, with this stuff, yeah, you could reload it, uh, but it's it's really really pricey stuff. Uh, I I do think though, if you were shooting this stuff, a lot of people say that the AKs are not very accurate at all. But, you know, you have to realize that a lot of people, when they're shooting AKs, they are shooting, like, the cheapo, either surplus stuff or the wolf stuff, which isn't the best ammo in the world. Uh, and so maybe if you went up and you were shooting things like the Corbon, like the Double Tap stuff, uh, I think you would see a lot more accuracy out of that rifle. Uh, with mine, I think I've said in the past, I was out the range, and this is, of course, shooting off of a bench. It wasn't freestanding or anything. But I was shooting off of a bench and I had a couple of sandbags. And I was consistently hitting, um, oh, I don't know, probably, it would have been at least maybe like a man-sized target. They had a big steel plate out there. And I had a guy that was that was there uh, spotting for me. And I was hitting consistently. I could hit that, I could hit that steel plate at 200 yards. Uh, so, and that was just with crap wolf ammo. So I imagine... If you had some good ammo and you actually had a decent quality AK, you can get some pretty good accuracy out of it. Uh, but it is kind of a drag about the uh, about that SIG. Uh, let's see. So anyway, I think we'll kind of wrap it up on the old firearms talk today. Uh, kind of we've had it's been a pretty firearm centric uh, podcast today show today. I was planning on. Uh, doing a review from Brad, but we're actually kind of running a little bit long today, and I want to do a couple more things, then we'll wrap up. So I think we will go ahead and play his review uh, next week. It's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. All right, now's the time in the show, and I like to talk about uh, some of the podcasts, some of the books, some of the things that I've been reading. I think I talked about a couple of weeks ago that I was going to try and start that, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I just haven't gotten around to it. I've read the first, I guess you could say, chapter of it. 
and it's uh, it's piqued my interest. Um, and people say that you know once you get through the first forty to sixty pages, um, that it really kind of takes off after that. But I I like it so far. Uh, but I'll let you guys know kind of that uh, how I kind of feel about that book as I get a little bit deeper into it. Uh, I also wanted to make sure to let you guys know to uh, go over and listen to Ken's new show. He's got the uh, the Exoskeleton audio magazine which is going to be about uh, spiders and creepy crawlies and bugs and all that kind of stuff so and uh, give him a listen uh, send him some emails send him some feedback things like that I don't know what all stuff he's got set up uh, I started listening to it but then I um, I stopped because I wanted to at least kind of get this show going today we've had a super busy day today and a busy day yesterday so I wanted to get something put out otherwise if I didn't get it done today it just it wasn't going to happen uh, probably not until next week. Um, let's see. Oh, as always, uh, my friend Vince over at the B Movie Cast. He does that with uh, his wife Mary and his other co-host Nick Brown, uh, who's author of uh, Werewolf for Hire. Uh, go ahead and check those guys out. If you like B movies, uh, they do everything exploitation, biker, all that type of stuff. Um, they've been doing some. Ha- they did a Hammer episode this last episode about the reptile. Really good. Uh, but I, I really like his show. Real good sense of community over there. Uh, so give them a listen. Um, the show I haven't talked about in a while is Cadaver Lab. Uh, originally, when it started out, uh, there were it was uh, started out as like I think four or five guys, and it went down to two guys who were the two main guys, which were Mike and Sam. And uh, Sam kind of had to take a hiatus, and now uh, he's back, and the show is still going on. And then went through a lot of different. Uh, permutations I guess you could say but anyway uh, Cadaver Lab is a real good thing and I'll, I'll go ahead and put a, uh, a link over to there um, let's see what other ones have I been listening to that I like oh uh, I think I mentioned Jack Spearco uh, his the survival podcast a uh, real lot tons and tons of good information even if you don't agree with him on everything there is so much information over there and you can join up over at the forums um, and the forums have tons of information uh, now normally I am not a big fan of forums and I know that I'm a member of forums over at uh, over at gunrightsradio.com where I have firearms cafe podcast I'm a member there uh, for the most part, the forums over there are pretty good. I, I've seen some kind of douchebaggery going on over there, but and this is my complaint with forums is it, it seems that ultimately they they kind of spiral down the toilet because they kind of are open to everybody. You can't make it too exclusive, or you're not you know you're going to have like three guys in there, and you might as well just call each other you know at that point. Um, and like I said, for the most part, over at, over at the gun rights radio forums, it's 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 pretty civil, uh, and and not too many people get their feelings hurt. But I, I've seen stuff over there where people, uh, you know, they they're just getting a stick up their ass about stupid stuff. You know, people get all up in arms about, you know, uh, if, if somebody who likes Glocks or something, doesn't like, you know, XD or, or, you know, they don't like, um, or somebody that likes uh, uh, maybe the Smith & Wesson M&P and they hate the Glocks or this or that. And 
a lot of that stuff is just so idiotic because ultimately why do you care what somebody else has I mean unless you're you're thinking about getting that thing and you say well hey is that is it reliable is the decent gun and you know can you you know could you get an honest review from that person and that's a lot of what I like to try and do here is get you know people that have the stuff and and try and get honest reviews or try and even if you don't have it try and say well hey I did some research on it and uh, these are some of the the logical things that I see that are good about it some of the things that are bad about it you know that type of stuff so um, anyway, what was I talking about? Uh, well, I was talking about forums. Oh, I wanted to say that so far I've been, when I've been over on the forums over at the, uh, at the survival podcast forums, pretty good stuff. I haven't seen too much of that douchebaggery going on, uh, where people are getting, you know, all butthurt and everything about, you know, every little thing. Uh, so go over there, check that stuff out. There's also, um... There's tons of really cool things on YouTube, but before I get into that, I want to talk about uh, another podcast that I found. And this one is 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 it's uh, is still with that prepper mentality, you know, being prepared and everything like that. Um, but it's geared more toward the people, uh, what you would call like an urban urban survival type podcast. And what it's saying is that, look, you know, a, a lot of these other survival podcasts and, and prepper things say, get out of the city, leave the city, and get out to the country. Well, not everybody can do that, and that's what their thing is kind of geared towards. You know, how are you going to, if you have to stay in the city uh, for work, or you just like being in the city, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to, uh, how are you going to make ends meet? How are you going to do things? Um there's a guy, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes if, if I remember. Hopefully I do. Uh, but it's called Vinton something or other, and I can't remember right off the top of my head um, what his channel is. I'll see if I can uh, look up my subscriptions here over on YouTube. Uh, but he's a guy that I think he lives maybe a little bit more of a smaller town, but he lives in a condominium, and uh, it's called... Vention, the number four, W-H. So V-E-N-T-I-O-N, four, W-H. And that's all one word. And what I like, what I, a lot of the things I like about his channel is he's in a, in a small space, and he's, he's in basically in a condo, so he's not, he doesn't own his own, well, he owns it, but it's not what you would consider like a freestanding home. So it would give you an example of if you lived in an apartment, these are a lot of the things that you could do. Uh, and it's just a, a really good uh, channel. I'm going to try and uh, ship him off an email, maybe see if I can't do a Skype interview with him. Uh, like I said, the guy's got a ton of, ton of videos, and he's a, uh, and this is just stuff that's on his, that he talks about in his videos. Um, he's a, uh, I think he's a diesel mechanic. And uh, lots of good ideas. He, he, he's got a little garden uh, where he can produce some of his own food and things where you would think, well, if I live in an apartment or if I live in a townhome or a condo or my backyard just doesn't have that much space, look at what this guy is doing. Um, you know, he's, he's making do. He's, he's, he's getting his, his preps ready and everything. Uh, let's see. What else is there? Um, as many of you guys know, I'm... Uh, politically consider myself a libertarian uh and i've been listening to 
um, the Mises Institute Media, which is a, a podcast. Uh, if you guys have libertarian views or you're a little curious, uh, go over and check those out. You can also check out the Lou Rockwell Show. Um, and I think I talked about there was a, um, a Ron Paul uh, podcast that I listened to. Uh, and it, they do both a lot of the speeches of Ron and Rand Paul, and that's called Ron Paul 2012 Podcast, um, where if you're a fan of those guys or you just want to kind of hear what they believe, you can go over to that. It's a real good podcast where he compiles a lot of the appearances and a lot of the speeches that, that these guys do. Uh, so you can get a real good sense of where these guys are coming from and see if you kind of agree with them or not. Uh you know, in the simplest form, you could probably say about libertarianism that, uh, or if you're a libertarian, that, you know, what you're what you're saying is basically don't take people's stuff and don't hit anybody else and be truthful. Uh, and, and that's probably boiling it down, you know, basically to, you know, the real, very, very oversimplification of it. Now, again, even with Rand and Ron Paul, there's some things that they talk about that I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, but their overall message I do agree with. You know, they talk about we need to pull back and reduce the size of government. We need to reduce the welfare state. We need to re reduce the, the warfare state. Um, there's a lot of meddling that, you know, that we do. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't want to go too far off on a political rant right now. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about some other stuff. Um, I think on Firearms Cafe I talked about that show Sons of Guns. I'm trying to think if there's any other kind of cool shows that I've been watching on TV that I liked. And, uh, and Sons of Guns, if you don't want to get my views on that, I didn't really care for it, but you can go over there and, and kind of give that stuff a listen uh, over to Firearms Cafe, and I talk about that junk over there. Um, I'm still a big fan of that show I Survived. Uh, you can really learn a lot and it can really help you with kind of with your mindset about what you need to do and, and when you hear these stories of, of these horrible things that happen to these people and how they survive uh, and in some cases they survived and their friends that were with them did not uh, let's see what's another really good show that I've been watching lately oh <laughs> we watched that Idiot Abroad uh, Ricky Gervais thing with that Carl Pilkington That's, that was a fun show I think it's seven or eight episodes, and it was it's a lot of fun to watch, but kind of toward the end, that seventh or eighth show, it, it's kind of sort of the same thing. You know, he, there's this guy, and he goes out, and he gets put in these uncomfortable positions, um, and I think it kind of the show kind of ran its course. Basically, the premise of it was they were going to take this guy and have him go see the seven wonders of the world, but they... Uh, they were going to make it to where he was real uncomfortable and all this other stuff. So, uh, let's see. What else? What else? As far as some of the movies I've been watching, I recently uh, have watched, uh, kind of getting back on a, like a kung fu kick and everything. Uh, I'd watched, uh, no pun intended, um, I'd watched One Armed Swordsman versus Nine Killers, Legendary Weapons of China. Um, and those are pretty good. Uh, those are kind of some of the old school things. Um, and then I, I also watched another one, and this is through Netflix, um, called Wild Zero. Eh, I didn't care too much for that one. Uh, I didn't really like it too well. Um, let's see, I'm in the middle of watching uh, Devil Doll, 
And uh, what else do I have? I have Sunrise. Sunrise is a silent movie from, I think, 20... I want to say 1927, but I may be, I may be wrong on that. Um, but anyway, it's about um, a woman that goes out into the country and she's on vacation and she kind of seduces this farmer and, and uh, uh, kind of he, he's kind of wanting to go to the bright lights in the big city and sort of all this other stuff and she's trying to entice him to basically kill his wife and so it kind of does the whole thing of you know farm life versus modern life and it does kind of uh, romanticize sort of life on the farm I guess a little but it's it's real interesting to watch that you know from a 1927 and I think that was directed by uh, oh, who was the dude that did Nosferatu? Um, Murnau? I think it was Murnau. Uh, but anyway, it's an interesting movie. I, I always, and I've talked about before, I always like to watch a lot of the old movies and I look at the, what you would call like the set dressing, meaning how did they, what are the objects that are placed in there? Because in a lot of them, um, there, there are things in there that they just did it to make it look like, oh, this is just an average home. And so it's kind of neat to look back and see sort of what's there, what's not there, what people were using. Uh, I like to look at, you know, how they're dressed and all that stuff, especially the things from the, you know, the 30s and the, and the 40s. Um, but even, even like this stuff, uh, like Sunrise, the things from the 20s. And you look and you kind of see, you know, if... Uh, what were some of the things that people were using? What were the tools that were using? Because you didn't have a lot of, uh, or most people probably wouldn't have had a lot of the power tools and things that we have today. Uh, so it's real interesting to look at that kind of stuff. All right, monkeys, we are running pretty long, so I'm not going to do any song or anything today. Uh, we're we're getting over the hour mark. So uh, again, thanks for uh, downloading, listening to the show. Thanks for going over to uh, iTunes if you've left a review over there, or if you've gone over to my website and clicked on the ads. That really helps me. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much for all the feedback. I uh, love hearing from you guys. You guys don't understand and don't probably realize how much it means to get the feedback from you uh, and to know that we're sort of building the community and, and able to uh, kind of cut through a lot of the BS. That's the marketing and stuff out there. All right, my monkeys, I will talk to you next time. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Oh,